Praise God. Amen. Tonight's session has been uh, billed as a time of, number one, training, but number two, uh, uh, for impartation. And uh, impartation is something more than just receiving training or direction. It's a spiritual thing where something comes into your spirit uh, and transforms you. And uh, our time of worship here is not just songs, it's not entertainment, uh, but it's about preparing us and opening our spirits and our hearts uh, for a spiritual impartation. And I believe that tonight uh, is going to be a seminal night or a life-changing night uh, for us in this place. So I want you to make sure that your heart is open and your spirit is ready to receive tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're so excited this evening. And um, I'm uh, excited about this weekend and about what God is going to do. And I'm excited about those of you who made it a priority, as I asked you as pastor, to be here and to uh, uh, make this uh, uh, a part of your schedule. And uh, I uh, believe, I really believe that God is going to honor all the sacrifice, all the prayers, and uh, all the commitment uh, that has been demonstrated. And uh, I I want you to know that uh, there are some significant big, huge personalities that God uses to do great big things for the kingdom of God. And I'm excited to get to introduce you to you one of those great, huge, significant, impactful personalities in just a moment. And Brother Matt Maddox, when I first saw him preach and uh, minister the word of the Lord, I was uh, amazed at the zeal and the passion and the anointing. And I was also amazed because he jumped right straight up onto the pulpit right in the middle of his preaching. Brother Matt, don't try that here tonight uh, because I don't think it'll work. But uh, uh, you are in for a treat. So I want you to tune in and listen to what God has to say. And this weekend, I want you to put your work clothes on and get ready to let God use you to make a difference for the kingdom of God. I want you to put your hands together and welcome Brother Matt Maddox. God bless you, brother. Let's all give the Lord praise, everybody. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Give God praise for what God is about to do this weekend. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated for a minute. I know that a lot of you fought through a lot of traffic to get here, and I have a lot of respect for the fact that I know you've worked hard all week. You were up early. Friday night and you still made the effort to be here. So give yourselves a good hand clap for being in church tonight. I want you to know this is our seventh, eighth missions trip this year. And there's not one, you can ask my team, they're right here, there's not one missions trip that I've been more excited about than the one that's about to happen this weekend. I have been looking forward to come in here with you guys since we put it on the schedule. You are so, hate to use the word lucky, but I'll use blessed. You are blessed to have Pastor Brown as your pastor in this church. He and his wife, what a dynamic team they are. Man, I absolutely appreciate his, his commitment to excellence. You can just tell he is an, he's a powerful leader. He's a powerful man of God, but he's also a person of excellence. I love the way he thinks. I love the way he operates, just hanging out with him and listening to his vision and, you know, what God has done in this church and what God is doing in this church. 
And I'm glad to play a small little role in what God's about to do. You're never going to be the same after this weekend. Not because I'm here, but because what the anointing of the Holy Ghost is going to do in the next three days. And I'm going to tell you right now, you are doubly blessed to have that kind of music. What do you say we give them a really good? Caleb, you got the coolest name in the world, number one. That's my son's name, and uh, you're, I'm going to tell you right now, is that not one awesome, not only worship leader, but youth pastor? There's probably a thousand churches that would love to have him, and I'm glad he's here. He's at the right place. I really enjoyed hanging out with your pastor and staff today. Uh, you know something, we all owe a great big appreciation to Uselis, and I've uh, had a fun time <laughs> pronouncing his name. <laughs> picking on him right now, but what an awesome guy he is. I love his energy and his enthusiasm. Man, this guy could lead an army. He was back there just organizing everything with the team, last minute details, and he's just on top of it. What do you say we give him a good hand clap? Really has done a first class job. Thank you for all your work. And... To whoever is not from Life Church, thank you for joining with us this weekend. Who's not from Life Church? Raise your hand. Raise it up high. God bless. Give these people a good hand clap. I see Brother Myers. Where is he at? Brother Myers came all the way from Alaska to be here this weekend. And we're glad he's here. I'm glad to have Mike Hopkins and Papa Rick here with us. I'll introduce you to them later. They're two of my teammates. Papa Rick, wave your hand. He's been to 75 of my Soul Winners boot camps, and he is a true man of God, a true elder, and a true blessing. I'm just glad that he's here, and Brother Mike is my partner in launching Mission 25. We've had a lot of fun, and looking forward to what God's going to do uh, tonight and tomorrow. How many of y'all are a little nervous? Raise your hand. Okay, you can put it down. No, I'm just kidding. No need to be nervous, my friends. This is going to be the most amazing experience of your life because it's the will of God. This is the Gospels, amen? So let's all stand. We're going to read just a couple of scriptures here. We're going to start right here with uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. Now, I will be honest with you. This is not a message for the church. This is actually a message for the individual. This is for you, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, God's going to speak to me tonight. So forget about everybody else. I know sometimes when you hear a preacher preach, you're over there thinking, I know exactly who this is for. Tonight, this is only for you. This is really a message of the hour because the Lord is coming, my friends. You hear me? We are racing the rapture of the church. And if there was ever a time that we need to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, there's a scripture in the Bible that said, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I want to hear what God is saying. Amen? So here's what it is. Let's read it out loud together. Let your, you're not off the hook. You're not off the hook, my friend. It doesn't matter what your church does. God wants to know about your light. Amen? He said, let your light shine before men. That they may see. Everybody say see. Your. 
Not life's church. Your good works. Make a list of your good works tonight before bed. Make a list of your good works. What you do in your Christianity that obeys this straight command from Jesus. You know what letting your light shine is? It's not a smile, although we should do that. Letting your light shine is good works. Jesus said that if we did that, that they would glorify our Father which is in heaven. And I'm going to read one more scripture. Let's all read it together. He that is, come on, he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. It's very simple. I'm going to preach tonight, saved to serve. Let's lift our hands and ask God to help us right now. Come on, let's do it together. Father, we thank you for every person that's here tonight. We believe, Lord, that you are going to speak. We believe you're going to heal. We believe you're going to fill people with the Holy Ghost this weekend. We believe you're going to raise up soul winners and, most importantly, servants. uh, And you're going to speak to us tonight. I want to hear what the Lord says. Help me get out of the way and do exactly what God has in store for us uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, we give you glory and we give you praise. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. Come on, let's magnify the Lord together. Everybody clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, let's praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. I'm going to start tonight with a story. And that story is very simple about a time or a season in my Christianity where the Lord was really dealing with me, and this is why I'm here today, about getting back to what it's really all about. In all transparency, I probably preached just about every conference there is to preach in the movement that I'm a part of. And sometimes you can become prideful or arrogant and not even realize it. You think that you're not, but in reality you are. And Sometimes you can become selfish and it can start becoming all about you and it's not a good place to be. And uh, the Lord knows how to get your attention. For me, I was on my way to preach a conference, and on my way to the Tampa airport, and uh, the I passed by this place called the Children's Cancer Center, and on my way there, it just struck me, Children's Cancer Center, and I've passed it probably hundreds of times, but this time, it got a hold of me, and I told myself, when I got back from that conference that I was preaching at, that I was going to go visit this place and find out what it was all about. And on my way to this conference, I met a dad, or what I thought was a dad, and a young boy, and they were sitting right next to me on this plane. And I was missing my son. And so seeing this, what I thought was his dad and this boy, and this boy was squeezing this stuffed animal, and he looked so happy. And they looked so peaceful, and I was a little envious of it, already missing my son as I was going away on a 
another trip to preach another conference. And um, something about this, Pastor Brown, it just grabbed me. So I looked at the dad. I said, man, you guys look happy. And he said, we're very happy. He said, you have no idea what we've been through. We're just so happy. And I said, really, if you don't mind telling me, what do you got so happy for? And he said, I'll tell you in a few minutes. Well, we get in the air, and the little boy dozes off to sleep. And I nudged the dad, and I said, tell me why you're so happy, man. And he begins to tell me a story about how actually he just got custody of this little boy. Uh, And he said, this is my nephew here. And he said, I've been trying to get custody of him for a couple of years. He said, my sister actually... Uh, was married, they were had a very successful business, and her husband tragically died in a car accident, and she thought she could raise my nephew, and the grief got the best of her, and she started with painkillers, and all these antidepressants they put you on, and it led to drugs, and next thing you know, she was strung out on drugs to the point her electricity got turned off, and then... Uh, they, that the neighbors got concerned because they didn't see the lights on. They knew there was a boy and saw the mom's car but never saw no action. And just being concerned neighbors, they checked it out. And the little boy was actually in the house for three days by himself, scared out of his mind, not only dealing with the death of his father, but now his mom's really gone out of her mind. And as you begin to tell me this, begin to tell me the location, Caleb, of where they lived, And it was five minutes literally from my church. And that was the turning point of where God began to change me. And I'm just going to be very transparent and share it with you tonight. And so God began to deal with me on that plane. I felt so heavy hearted as he began to tell me how this boy was thrown from one foster home to another But what really struck me is how busy we can get being Christians or doing the church that we really forget how to show true compassion to people that are hurting and to people that are in need. And so I, there's something about this boy that grabbed me. There's just a quick picture of him right behind me, that cute little kid right there that I vowed when I got off that plane that I would never get busy again. Now, we're all busy, but you know what I'm talking about, to the place where I think because I'm coming to church a couple of days a week, and I'm living by all the rules, and I'm looking the part, and I'm acting the part, that I'm really the part. But i got to be honest, I wasn't the part, my friends. Jesus said, let your light shine. My light wasn't shining. There was really no good works in my life. I was pastoring a church that was very successful. We had 10 full-time staff members. We had 340 the Sunday Easter, or not Easter, but the Sunday prior to this where God really shook me up. And our church was doing a lot of good things in the community, but I wasn't doing it. And I remember going to that conference when I got picked up. You know, they always want to grab your bag. They're so kind and so polite. And I just felt sick. I felt sick going in and just thinking about what I had become that I literally spent the whole day on my face repenting and asking God to forgive me. How in the world did I become lost in the middle of revival? How in the world did I become lost in the middle of preaching every single week in church growth? How did I personally lose sight of what it was all about? So when I got back, I made up my mind that I would never be the same again. So instead of going home and 
and going about my busy life, I stopped by the Children's Cancer Center and the, met the receptionist there. I said, my name is Matt Maddox, and I want to just find out what you guys do here. And she said, oh, I'll be happy to give, me, give you a tour. And she starts to give me a tour. And what this was was actually there was a lady whose six-year-old boy died of cancer. And she became depressed. She was grieving two years, didn't do anything, didn't go out of the house, just ate, gained so much weight, and really was losing her life until one day she had a wake-up call that she was actually called to minister in the area where she'd been hurt the most. So she actually started a support group for other moms whose kids are dying of cancer. And so to make a long story short, now, 10 years later, there's actually a place in Tampa, Florida called the Children's Cancer Center. And currently, right now as I speak, there are 953 children just in the city of Tampa that are dying of cancer. And so as she began to tell me the vision that really the Children's Cancer Center is just a bunch of volunteers that wanted to be a blessing to people. And so what they do is they offer these nights where they feed families and they play with the kids and they built this big playground and upstairs they offer support groups for the parents and the kids can play downstairs. And it's 100% volunteer base. And I said, well, man, I would give anything if I could become a volunteer here. And so I went through all the procedure, and I became a volunteer. Again, you have to understand, my friends, I was blessed to pastor a church that did a lot in the community. But again, the church did it. It wasn't really me. And there's a lot of people in our churches that they're good people. You come here every single week. But this weekend is about God calling you uh, in your own Christianity uh, to find what your calling is. Can I get a witness? Uh, and what your God-given ministry assignment is. So make a long story short, I show up the first night having no idea what was going to happen to me. I looked and there were hundreds of little kids and moms and dads everywhere just playing. And I really begin to connect with these little kids that have since become like family to me. And uh, moms and dads in that children's cancer center that had real problems. I thought I had problems. We don't really have problems, my friends. When you're a mom and you got a five-year-old kid and your kid or your little third-grade kid's been pulled out of school, lost their hair, coughing up blood at night, sick, in pain, agony, don't know how to fix it as a parent, and gone through already 20-plus surgeries, uh, oh, I could tell you story after story. But I'm going to tell you a testimony what God did in my life. So I'm in the middle of this determining that I am going to be a servant, that first and foremost, I'm not a preacher, I don't have a position, uh, but I literally am called to be a servant, uh, and so to make a long story short, uh, I literally begin to go every Monday night and personally would pay for the meals uh, so all those families and kids could eat uh, at the Children's Cancer Center. Then we won a lady who came to our church who had two men handicapped 
handicapped children and then had another kid who wasn't mentally handicapped but was physically handicapped. One of the kindest, sweetest ladies you'll ever meet in your life. She was so humble. She was so in love with God. She literally worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken. She worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken, my friends. And uh, you're a real hero if you're trying to raise three children as a single mom and you have to work at Kentucky Fried Chicken but never would complain, never would miss a service. And one day she called me and she said, Pastor, I'm going to be late to service tonight. Pray for me. I was just in a car accident. Well, I didn't think anything of it, to be honest. So I prayed with her on the phone and said, sure, we're going to pray God blesses you. God's going to help you through this. Not thinking in my mind that here's a single mom who works at Kentucky Fried Chicken with two mentally handicapped kids and one physically handicapped kid. And here I am, you know, like the Bible says, if you see your brother in need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how does the love of God really dwell in you? And we're really good at saying, I'll pray for you, right? We're really good at, you know, we're like the story of the Good Samaritan. We're like the priest and the Levite. We don't really have time to stop and truly minister to people. But hear me now, when God... God is done speaking tonight. Every single one of you are going to have an opportunity uh, to let the Holy Ghost change you. Uh, and my best advice, my friend, uh, is let God work in you this weekend. Uh, if you will, you're about to be introduced uh, to the greatest time of your life because uh, there's nothing better than being a soul winner and a servant uh, for God. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. So I go to church. And I'm standing there like your pastor, who's awesome, does, just standing outside greeting everybody. And I looked down the road, and there was that single mom and her three kids. Here she is with a physically handicapped and two mentally handicapped kids. They're walking down the street, and it still doesn't dawn on me. And I look down the street, and I remember thinking, oh, my God, Nikki, poor Nikki's walking to church. And so I'm going about, you know, my busyness and whatever, and I'm in service, and she's out worshiping everybody. And, friends, I had just paid my car off. How many of y'all have ever had that fun experience before? When you just Dave Ramsey it, and you pay that sucker off. Can I get a witness? Man, I was so excited. I had me a nice car. It was paid for. And while I'm standing there looking out in my congregation, Nikki's out worshiping everybody. And here she is. She works at Kentucky Fried Chicken. And she's got three kids, literally no dad anywhere involved in their life at all. True fatherless kids. And now she's carless. And I went back and just shook her hand and said, man, you're really getting blessed today. And she said, oh, nothing's going to stop me from worshiping the Lord. And so, you know, I didn't think anything about it. The next Sunday, here I'm standing out greeting people, and there they are walking down the street. And it wasn't that she walked all the way from home. What she was doing was taking the city bus. Something about that bothered me. And I looked down the road, and I thought, this isn't right. Here she is working at Kentucky Fried Chicken it's not like there's no way she can make a lot of extra money. And there's, she li they live in the projects. And so I just remember feeling disturbed. And so in that service, I'm worshiping or trying to anyways. And the Lord begins to speak to me. And he said, I want you to give Nikki your car. 
Well, I'm thinking that's the devil. I'm like, man, there's a spirit trying to talk to me this morning. My God, I just paid. I know it ain't the will of God for me to give my car away. I just paid that thing off. Can I get a witness? Well, the whole service goes on about five different times. The Lord kept speaking to me. I want you to give Nikki your car. So finally I knelt down in the corner. And I said, God, now I'm going to ask you a very honest question. I know that sometimes I'm, uh, you know, I'm growing to become a person of compassion, and I'll give everything I have away. So I really want to make sure this is you. Are you really telling me that I'm supposed to give Nikki my car? And the Lord said, yes, I want you to give her your car. So I remember thinking, okay, Lord, you know what you're doing. So I ran outside, and here, again, Nikki's just dancing the spirit. all of the, Out worship everybody. I went, went outside, grabbed, opened the glove box, grabbed the tile of my car, and literally, signed it over, grabbed the keys, walked in, and handed it to her. I said, Nikki, I said, let me tell you something. The Lord told me in service today, give you my car. Man, I ain't never saw anybody shout like I saw that lady shout. You say, why are you telling all this? You know why? I'm going to be honest with you. I was backslidden, my friends. You hear me? Oh, no, I wasn't doing drugs. I wasn't drinking. I, I wasn't doing all kinds of worldly things like you think when you're backslidden. But I was backslidden because, listen, until you realize what Christianity is really all about, we're all a long ways away from God. Can I get a witness? It will always be about Jesus. It will always be about people. You'll never one time. Reach a place in your Christianity where you arrive to the degree that you cannot serve and that you cannot be a blessing to somebody else. Clap your hands and give God praise. Come on, clap your hands and give the Lord praise. Woo! Pastor Brown, those two experiences made me radical. And I literally committed to a lifestyle of serving and made up my mind. It doesn't matter who else does it. I don't care about that. All that matters uh, is that I let my light shine because that's what Jesus said, uh, and show your good work. So every week I committed every single week to taking my son down to the homeless, and we would pass out sleeping bags at night to people that we would find on the streets sleeping. My little boy right there, they love that kid, sweetest little kid you'll ever meet. Uh, but I'm going to tell you another story. In the process of all of this here just a couple of months ago, and I've always had a passion for the homeless. You don't have to, honestly. I want you, you're going to hear some things tonight. The homeless might not be you, but it might be fatherless kids. It might be people that are sick. It might be single mothers. It might be, uh, amen, people that are in poverty. It might be widows. I'm not sure, but I'm going to tell you right now, there are some areas that God uh, is going to speak to you about uh, to begin to serve. So here it goes. You ready? And I really believe this. I know a lot of people that pray for God to use them and then they quit the church because they feel used. Can I get a witness? Last time I checked, you can't outgive God. Come on, somebody. Last time I checked, it is a blessing uh, to serve the Lord uh, and to work in ministry. You know what we need? We need some good old-fashioned fire in our souls. Amen for Jesus. We need some fire back in our souls for people. 
Come on, everybody say Jesus, and everybody say people. That's what it's all about. It's about children. It's about teenagers. It's about drug dealers. It's about gang members. It's about people in the street. It's about millionaires. It's about celebrity. Oh, clap your hands and give God praise. Woo, come on, give the Lord praise. Good to see my friends Justin and David here tonight. God bless you guys. So, a couple months, uh, two months ago, y'all ever one of those days just really busy? I mean, really busy. You know you don't have any time to spare. So I was working in my office. I thought I'd go across the street and grab a Starbucks real quick. And this is how the Lord will do to you. If you truly become a servant and you let God give you a servant's heart and a servant's spirit, you're on call from the master 24-7. Don't pray for God to use you because he will. It's on his terms. You don't get to choose. Come on, somebody. And you know what we need? We need disciples in here. We need people that really sell out to the cause uh, and make this a lifestyle. This is not a Saturday event. This is a lifestyle, my friends. Uh, amen. Where we pray uh, for God to lead us. Woo. So I went to Starbucks real quick. Thought I'd grab a quick green tea. And I'm standing in line, my phone rings, I answer the phone, I'm talking away. And I go stand outside just talking to the phone, getting ready to jump back in my car. And a homeless man literally rides right in front of me. Y'all ever done this? Where you pretend like you didn't see? Right? I was like, turned around real fast. Especially because I noticed he wasn't wearing any shoes. And I truly believe that scripture. When you do it to the least of these, you do it to me. I truly believe, be careful not to forget to entertain strangers because some of you have entertained angels unaware. Amen? This is my life, my friends. This is not something I clock in and clock out of. This is my life. I don't care how busy I am and neither does God. God doesn't care about your busyness. God cares about the kingdom and God cares about people that are broken and that are hurting and that are lost your hands and give God praise so I turned around real quick and pretend like I didn't see stayed on the phone real quick and all of a sudden thinking he would be gone because he was riding his bike when I turned back around he was just sitting there right in front of me on the little curb right by my car so there was no avoiding him so I thought okay Maybe the Lord wants me to buy him a cup of coffee. So I go up to him. I say, I said, how you doing? My name is Matt. I say, man, would you like a cup of coffee? He goes, man, that would be awesome. So I went and I thought I'm doing good, right? I'm going to buy him a large cup of coffee. This is for Jesus. I'm getting a large. So I walk in, get a large coffee, coming out feeling so good. Like, look at me. As busy as I am, devil, I'm still going to serve. Yeah, you do that and watch the Lord go ahead and keep messing with you. So I go to hand him the coffee, and I'm looking in his eyes because I don't want to see his feet again. Because the dude had no shoes. 
And I have a policy that if I meet people that don't have shoes, I'm going to buy them shoes. So if you want shoes, get them off and go put them in the car. I can't do it. I can't watch someone that don't have shoes and not bless them. I can't. It's something I have with Jesus. So I hand it to him, and, you know, as soon as I hand him the coffee, I felt these hunger pains. I wasn't even hungry, but I felt these hunger pains. And the Holy Spirit literally whispered to me and said, I'm hungry, son. So I'm, again, because I'm busy, I said to Chuck, I said, hey, buddy, I said, um, have you had lunch yet? He goes, oh, no, man, I'm starving. I could feel it. And I said, well, listen, I said, um, I got a real busy day today, but there's a McDonald's up the road. How about I go buy you a cheeseburger? And as soon as I get in the car to take him to McDonald's, really doing it up big, right, for Jesus, <laughs> the Holy Ghost whispers to me and said, take him to your favorite restaurant. And I have a place in Tampa that's my favorite. It's where I go every week. So I'm literally thinking, I don't have time to do this. It's like 25 minutes away. So I look over and I said, Chuck, I was like, you know what? I was like, I'm going to take you to my favorite restaurant today. So I come walking in the restaurant. Imagine this with a homeless man. And this is a pretty nice restaurant. And they're all looking at me. And the dude has no shoes on. Amen. We eat, and I'm getting ready to drop him back off. And the Lord literally says to me, are you really not going to buy him any shoes? I was like, no. <laughs> so I stopped by the mall. We go shopping. Buy my buddy Chuck some shoes. And I'm going to tell you right now, to this day I think he was an angel. And I'm going to tell you why. Don't think I'm crazy. But it literally that whole thing ended up costing me like two hours. And I spent probably $150 total. And I remember feeling this panic of, I got a lot to do today. And when I'm driving back to my office after drop, before I dropped Chuck off, the smile he gave me was unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. To this day, I believe it was an angel. But I'm going to tell you what happened. When I go back to my office... The Lord said to me, I want you to go to your P.O. box. I'm like, man, you got to be kidding. Now, please listen to me. I really believe that we should have a relationship with God. He does speak. Our problem is we let our minds be so cluttered that we don't listen. But if you let God, the Holy Ghost would start leading you and guiding you. Come on, being used of God is a blast. That's exactly what it is. Let me tell you something. I disobeyed what I thought was the Holy Spirit to go to my P.O. box. And I went back to my office, and I go to start working, and nothing is happening right. The Lord said, I want you to go back to go to your P.O. box. So I get in my car. I drive 15 minutes to my P.O. box. And when I go to open it up, there's one envelope sitting in my P.O. box. I look at it. All it said in, in scribbled up handwriting, it looked like some 
uh, someone that didn't have good handwriting wrote on this envelope and it had my name and it had my P.O. box number and that's it. No return address, not even a stamp. Look at me sitting in my P.O. box. So I looked at the envelope, I opened it up, and when I opened it up, there was 10 $100 bills in there. Now you may think I'm crazy, but I'm going to tell you something about the Bible, my friends. Uh, when you really, truly give to God, uh, he'll always give it back to you. Uh, good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. Listen, I took two hours of my day, you hear me, over $150, uh, and within 30 minutes, uh, amen, I looked at that envelope, uh, and God literally said, see, son, uh, I wanted to bless you today. Now relax and take the rest of the day off. Can I get a witness? Uh, friends, uh, let me tell you right now, you have been saved to serve. Uh, that's why God saved you. Uh, God didn't save you uh, to be a professional Pentecostal and sit on a pew for 40 years. Uh, come on, God saved you uh, to roll up your sleeves, uh, get a towel in your hand, uh, and begin to serve uh, the poor. Let's clap our hands and give God praise. Come on, give the Lord praise. And I'm going to show you the power of serving. Every Friday morning when I'm in town, I go under the bridge in St. Petersburg, Florida, and there's probably 100 homeless people literally sleeping on sidewalks and in bushes everywhere you can imagine. And I promise the Lord that every Friday that I'm in town, and sometimes if I leave on a Friday like I did this morning, I try to do it on a Thursday, I go down under the bridge at 5.30 in the morning, I stop by Starbucks first and grab what they call these little travelers, and I can, with four of those travelers, give 50 cups of coffee to the homeless. And man, they appreciate it. They can be sound asleep, and the moment I drive up, open up my car door and just say, Starbucks! Man, they come running from everywhere, my friends. And I'm going to tell you right now, those are some good people, but I'm going to tell you a testimony. So one Friday morning, I met this man by the name of Kearney, and he was one of the kindest people I've ever met. And he came over while I was pouring the coffee, and he said, you need some help, preacher? I said, well, sure. So he starts helping me pour coffee, helps passing out cream and sugar. He helps, you know, just, and there's a whole line of people. All of a sudden, some guy just starts cussing. Man, he got so ticked off. He said, let me tell you all something. Don't you ever cuss in front of my preacher again. One of the nicest people. Defend me. Amen. Always. So every Friday morning when I pulled up, he would be the first one waiting there. When I literally put my car in park, he'd be opening my back door, and he'd pull out a card, my cardboard table. I'd pop open my trunk. He'd start grabbing the coffee. He'd help get it all set up. And every single Friday from the time I got there until the time I leave, I go to carry away the trash. He comes and gets it out of my hand. And he goes and throws it away. So one, this goes on for about a couple of months. And I told him one day, I said, Carney, I want to hear your story. Tell me how you became homeless. He began to tell me his story. And I said, tell me what your dream is. He said, I want to get off the street. He said, I've been in the streets for three years. He said, I hate it. I want to get off so bad 
bad, I just don't know how. I said, you know what, we're going to start praying about it. Well, the next Friday, amen, he's wiping my cardboard table, and something came over me, the Holy Ghost. And I said, Kearney! And he stopped and looked over at me. I said, I'm going to tell you something right now in the Holy Ghost. I said, God is getting ready to bless you. I don't know how, I don't know when, but something huge is about to happen to you. I said, did you know that God told Abraham, I'll bless them that bless you? You know what some of y'all ought to stop doing? You ought to stop cursing the bless. If you really want to learn how to be blessed, you got to learn to start blessing that which God is blessing. And there's nothing that God blesses more than a church that'll serve the poor, a church that'll give to orphans and widows, a church that'll give to the hungry and to the thirsty and to those that are in need. Clap your hands and give God praise. And I said, Kearney, there's a scripture in the Bible that even says that if you give a, a cup of cold water, you give a, give, give a prophet's reward. And I said, I, don't, I just feel to tell you you're about to be blessed. Well, the next Friday morning, I drive up, 5.30, there he is, and he's out there running to my car. And when I open up the door, he gives me a big hug, and he looks me in the eye, and he says, you're not going to believe this. I said, what's going on? He goes, the day that you left that morning and told me I was going to be blessed, he said a man in a pickup truck came by about 7.30, and of all of us homeless people, he pointed at me, and he said, you. And he said, me, and I said, you. He said, I want, you want to work today? And he said, man, I'm always up for work. And so he gets in the car and come to find out the guy was a painter. And Kearney told me, he said, man, he said, I'm a painter. That's what I do. That's what I love to do. And he said, I painted with that man all day. He paid me $80 cash. He goes, preacher, I ain't seen $80 cash in a long time. He said, the next morning he picks me up and he pays me $80 cash. Then he hired me full time to be a painter with him. And he said, I'm making $400 a week. The devil is a liar. Can I get a witness? Come on. They may seem like a bunch of bums to you, but don't ever forget. They are children of God. They are souls. And we need to reach every breathing person with the gospel. Come on, clap your hands and give God praise. But let me tell you what happened. He said, not only did he give me the job, he said, one day after work, he said, we drove up to a duplex. He said, I was thinking we was done. And he said, I looked at my boss and said, we got to paint that still? He said, oh, no, come here real quick. They go walking up to the duplex. Boss turns around and looks at him and said, you know, it's about time you get off the streets. He said, I own this duplex here. Pick whatever one you want. You can live in it. Hallelujah. Come on. You know what? God knows how to do it. So now he has his own duplex, and he's making $400 a week, and he's off the streets. God blesses anybody that will serve. I'm going to tell you what's powerful. Every Friday morning, guess what? When I pull up, Kearney's waiting for me. And a man that used to be homeless is one of my biggest helpers today. 
That's why I do what I do. And I can tell you a lot of testimonies about people that I've watched God bless, people that I've watched God heal. But I'm going to tell you a quick story about what's going on across the world here. I was doing a missions trip in Canada, and this man who drives a semi-truck just goes to church every day, average person, but there's no such thing. And he walked up to me that afternoon and said, hey, God dealt with me to go into a really poor trailer park that's a couple miles down the road and feed everybody. I said, really? He said, what, I said, what are you going to do? So I'm going to go buy 25 large pizzas and 25 two liters of Pepsi, and I'm going to take it to every trailer. I said, I want to go with you. Come on, I want to get blessed too. Can I get a witness? Uh, hey, man, I watch people. You know what? Let me tell you about real witnessing. You really want to reach the world? Serve them, my friends. If you can learn how to serve, uh, you'll break down walls. Uh, you'll break down barriers. Can I get a witness? Uh, people that won't trust us will trust you. I watch people I watch grown men begin to weep. I watched a man, we knocked on his door and handed him the pizza and the pop. Mike can tell you. Guy started crying. He said, I really honestly had no food in the house. I didn't get paid. And he said, I really didn't know how I was going to eat. And I was sitting there just sitting in my chair thinking, how was I going to eat? Well, the Lord always provides. Uh, amen. There's a, a couple that, amen, in our missions trip, they showed up on Saturday morning. They went out and bought diapers to give to single moms. Uh, they brought clothes. They knew of a single mom with three kids. They took her groceries. They took her a gas card. They took her diapers. They took her clothes. Uh, amen. There's a young boy. We were in Indiana here. Some of y'all might have saw this on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, but we found out there was a four-year-old boy, five minutes from the church that had been burned, and the mom had been driving from, actually, to Fort Wayne, amen, from Goshen, been driving there to three times a week to take care of her little boy, amen, freaked out of her mind, amen, and you know what, the people got together, and they literally threw a big old party for this family, amen, they brought food, uh, they brought all kinds of toys, uh, amen, bought them a, a, an hour-long massage and a pedicure for the mom, uh, I mean, literally almost $500 uh, worth of gifts to this family right there, there's the little boy, their two kids, uh, and the mom and dad, uh, amen, threw a big old party for the kids, there's there's a little kid right there. I mean, it was a blast. Now, when you look at that, does that look like something Jesus uh, would do? You know what I think? I think we need more parties in our city. I think we need to get into the ghettos. Uh, I think we need to go into trailer parks uh, and apartment communities. Uh, I think we need to go to the streets. Uh, come on, you know what? We need to hit the skate parks. Uh, we need to go to every neighborhood, uh, every park, uh, every child, uh, every teenager. Come on, we don't know go need to preach at them. Uh, we need to go serve them. Let's clap our hands uh, and give God praise. Woo, come on, give the Lord praise. I was on a missions trip in Virginia this year. I was coming out of Walmart because we were going to a juvenile center to take all the kids in that juvenile center gifts and Starbucks coffee. And I met this lady who was on our missions trip. And I said, hey, where are you heading? She said, actually, I know of a man who's handicapped. He's 50 years old. He lives alone. He has no family or friends here. And it's his 50th birthday party. And, man, they threw him a big old birthday party. That's what it's all about, my friends. Uh, amen. Blessing people 
people, loving people. Amen. Here's a group of people that took Starbucks uh, to the firefighters. Uh, amen. This is one of the most powerful stories. Talk about letting your light shine. So we go and we're going to do it tomorrow at some point during our two-hour evangelism time or our compassion in action. Amen. Well, we do this thing called community connection. Mike's going to tell you about it tomorrow. It's really revolutionizing across the world. Amen. We're going into these communities and we're literally throwing a party and we're reaching to the kids. Well, we were there in this projects area ministering to these kids. Uh, and while we were there, this man right here by the name of Joe was watching the whole thing. We're just having fun, blowing up balloons, blowing bubbles, hula hooping, jump roping contest, pie eating contest. Amen. Then you can bring the gospel, my friends. Uh, hallelujah. You're not going to be able to preach to anybody unless you show them that you care about them uh, and that you love them. Can I get a witness? Uh, and Joe, Mike goes over and starts talking to him to come to find out this dude. You can Google him. His name, what's his name? Ike what? Ike the Crippler. He was a professional wrestler. Man, I Googled the dude. I was like, man, this dude's a real deal. Amen. So he was at this community connection. Well, he was so moved that someone would come into his community and bless the kids like this that the next morning, amen, we're sitting in church, and there he is. He came to church. I walked up to him. I said, I can't believe you're here. I said, how'd you hear about this? He said, I looked you up on the internet. And I was like, well, how'd you get here? I, he said, I drove, stupid, you know, just messing with me. Hallelujah, came to church. Uh, amen. That wasn't all. His first service there, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and we took him to the lake uh, and baptized him uh, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, hey, my friend, uh, let me just remind you, uh, this is real. Can I get a witness? And if we'll show the world that we're more than just another church, the world doesn't need another church. There's millions of churches, but what the world needs is Christians that live Christianity. And when we live Christianity, they will come. Jesus said, come on, let your light shine, and they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven, clap your hands and give God praise. He that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And so I was in Columbus, Ohio. We we're doing a missions trip there. A man came up to me and said, I was praying this morning because everybody tomorrow is going to be assigned a mission. Well, you're going to do it tonight. Tomorrow you're going to do it. Everybody. This guy come up to me and said, I have no money. And I said, listen, you still need to serve. Go serve. God will show you what to do. Just go serve. And he went and prayed. He came back to me. Dude had on some swag-looking shoes. He said, the Lord told me to give my shoes to somebody that needed shoes. So I was at the block party Saturday night, Pastor Brown. I looked at the dude and he was walking around with no shoes on. I walked up to him. I said, man, what's going on? What happened to your shoes? He said, we was down feeding the homeless today. There was one homeless person that didn't have shoes. And he said, I walked up to him and said, what size shoes you wear? And come to find out, he wore the exact same size that I wore. Can I get a witness? Another couple in New York City. We were in New York City this summer. This is Mike's wife and another one of our servants there. Amen. We were down feeding the homeless, and they didn't have much money either. And so you know what they did? They started washing homeless person's feet. It put me under so much conviction. I thought, man, I've never washed. They gave foot uh, massages to home this homeless lady, wash her feet, foot massage. That's serving, my friends. So I'm almost done. 
And so I was in Canada with Mike, and we were doing a missions trip for a home missions church that had 11 people in their church. They were trying to get going, and we were just kind of working on some things on Friday. And something came over me while I was sitting there at Starbucks, and I told Mike, I, I saw these people across the street, and they were just, there was like a median in the middle of this four-lane intersection, and they were just standing there just kind of looking around. And I looked at Mike. I said, Mike, we could actually win those people. And, uh, you know, I was just telling him how easy it is to win people. It's so easy. But we got to get back to loving people. And I said, in fact, let's go talk to them. So I ran across the street. And I said, I'm so sorry to bother you guys. I just want to shake your hand. My name is Matt Maddox. And just started connecting with them a little bit. We took them over to Starbucks, bought them some coffee. Amen. Bought the little kids some candy. Amen. Didn't take much, my friend. Just talked to them. Just loved them. I asked them where a homeless shelter was because the church didn't. Didn't know of where a homeless shelter was. They told me where one was. Uh, amen. But the next day, uh, amen, they came to our block party just from that little 15 minutes. Uh, hey, my friends, uh, the problem is not that the world doesn't want what we have. Uh, the problem is the world don't know what we have uh, because we are not talking to them. Uh, and if you really want to get down to the basics uh, of winning souls, uh, we got to stop. Uh, come on, do doing everything uh, inside the four walls of the church uh, and we need to go uh, and we need to love people and we need to connect with people clap and now not only they come the block party but now that pastor has a home bible study with all of these people and their friends a total of 17 people that is now teaching a bible study too so while we're sitting back after ministering to that family, I'm sitting in Starbucks working away, and I see these two teenage boys. And I looked at Mike, I said, see those guys? We can win them. He looks at me, he's thinking, okay, you're really losing it. And I said it again, we can win them. And they get up and they walk away. And I thought, no. So I said, come here. Went up to them real quick. They're getting ready to walk across the street. Sorry to bother you guys. I just want to ask you a quick question. Why do you think most teenagers don't go to church? This guy looks at me right here. His name was Cash. He said, I can tell you why I don't go to church. He said, I was homeless since I was 13 years old in Toronto. Begins to tell me how he was strung out on drugs and alcohol, how abusive his father was, and there was no help from his mom. He was a single mom and this, that, and the other, and let him down a life just addicted to drugs. And he said, here I am at the age of 19, and he said, I finally am clean. And I said, how'd you get clean? He said, I got into a drug rehab program here for youth. And he said, and I've been going there. And he said, I'm clean now. And he said, in fact, he said, I've since started reading. I didn't even tell the dude I was a preacher. He said, I've started reading the New Testament. Come on, somebody. And just that little bit of time of taking them to lunch and connecting with them and talking to them, it led being able to connect the pastor and to go into this boy's home that he didn't even know existed 20 minutes from his church. Listen, 
We need to be in every juvenile center. Can I get a witness? We need to be in every boy's home, every girl's home. Come on, don't leave it all on the pastors. Some of you grown men, some of you ladies, uh, we need to be at teenage pregnancy centers. Uh, we don't need to be standing out there with we're against abortion signs. Uh, the world knows we're against abortion, my friends. Uh, we need to go serve. Uh, and if we'll serve and we'll love, uh, the Bible says love never fails. Clap your hands and give God praise. And so while this is happening, we find out about this homeless shelter. This pastor picks us up that afternoon. I was telling about these two teenage boys. I was telling about this family. I was like, bro, you could win hundreds of people in this city. I said, you listen, if you just for just go talk to people. Start connecting. Start asking questions. And I'm going to teach on some of these techniques tomorrow because there are some techniques you can use that really will produce results. And I said, I want you, I want, we're on our way to go eat pizza. And I said, I want you to take me by the homeless shelter real quick. He goes, now? I was like, yeah, real quick. I want to introduce you to the people. I said, your church has an opportunity. They serve 250 homeless people a day. And I want you to get in there. So on our way there, literally, I get out of the van. Hear me? I'm walking towards the homeless shelter, and there's this kid and his grandma literally walking right next to me. I'm walking towards the shelter, and it just so happened that when I got out of the van, there's he and his grandma. So I look over at him. I said, how you guys doing? He said, I'm doing good. And I said, what y'all up to? He said, I'm going to get a job. Well, I thought it was cool. I was good to see a young teenager go working. I was like, awesome, where are you going to get a job at? And he tell me all about it. I said, you from here? He said, oh, no. He said, I just moved here this weekend. And I said, really, how come? He said, well, I don't have anybody else to live with, so I'm living with my grandma, 17-year-old kid. So I said, you know something? We're getting ready to go in the homeless shelter. I said, hey, dude. I said, we talked a little bit. And I said, let me pray for you. I'm going to pray that you get this job. Well, his grandma was very, extremely standoffish. I mean, extremely. She told me when we go to pray, she goes, oh, no. She goes, I'm a Jehovah Witness. And literally, I said, that's okay. It's not a big deal to me. I just want to pray with it. All I got to do is hold my hand. And she literally turned her back to me. We were praying over her grandson. I looked at him. I was like, dude, I was like, you're going to get the job. And I thought, there ain't no way grandma's getting off the hook. Hear me now. Turn your back to me. Act all like you ain't interested. So I said, Grams, how long you been going to Jehovah Witness? She said, 20 years. I said, really? What got you into it? She said, they knocked on my door. I didn't think I'd like it at first. I love it. For like 15 minutes, all I did was listen and talk. Listening is very powerful. I'm going to teach on that tomorrow. And showing interest and talking to her about Jehovah Witness. Next thing you know, she literally says to me, I guess I'll give you my number and he can go with you to the block party tomorrow. 
I didn't even have to ask for the number again. Can I get a witness? That's what I call the Holy Spirit, my friend. Uh, don't ever forget. Can I... Come on, somebody. Yeah, you know what we got to do? We got to be fearless. There ain't no reason to be afraid. If God be for us, who can be against us? When you've got God on your side, you can be a mighty, powerful soul winner. So the next day, we pick Sean up. He comes to the block party. God bless him with a brand new bike. He got the job. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. And when we dropped him off, we brought his grandma her favorite food to eat. Man, she invited, talked our heads off. But I don't care if you talk my head off because I'm going to baptize you. Can I get a witness? Come on, somebody. And then that little bit of time led to her letting the pastor come teach a Bible study. You know what she admitted? She broke down and started crying. She said, my husband died uh, a month ago and she said I've been feeling so alone uh, and I've been feeling neglected by my church uh, sounds like a setup from the Holy Ghost uh, come on they're not as distant as you think they are they're distant until they know you love them uh, they're distant until they know that you care but when they know that you care come on somebody you can pull them out of hell you can baptize them uh, you can see them receive the Holy Ghost Woo, clap your hands and give God praise. Woo, my. Everybody read this right here. Pure. Come on, say it again. Pure religion is this. You ready? How many of you know that in our generation, people hate religion, right? Oh, yeah, you know, that's why you got all these people nowadays. Oh, no, no, we're not religious. We're not religious, right? Because everybody hates religion because religion has done a poor job being religion. <laughs> but God said, pure religion. Not going to get trashed in the community, not going to get talked about. Listen, I went into the hood. I'm talking the hood in St. Petersburg, Florida, where one person was killed there a month, where the cops even told me, and the mayor personally called me and told me not to go because it was too dangerous. And I went there every single week without fail for three years. Hear me? We pulled in kids that literally I had a kid in my church, 11 years old, get on our bus. It already seen, seen with his own eyes, five murders. It was literally a place of hell. And we go in there, and I'm going to tell you right now, not one time did anybody ever mess with me. Amen. Kind of hard to mess with a guy that's mowing your grass, washing your car, bringing you food, blessing your kids. Remember one time I was down there handing out groceries. These big old dudes come up to me, cornered me. I mean, I was so nervous, I was silently speaking in tongues. Oh, hey, man, big old dudes, what you doing down here, white boy, you know, because I was the only white boy in sight. Hey, man, 
I saw this big old park. There was a lot of kids playing basketball, about 25 of them. I was driving down there, and the Lord dealt with me to give them something cold to drink. So I went over and pulled over and bought 25 ice-cold Gatorades. Walked up on the court. Now listen, let me give you some advice. If you're white and you go in the hood and you're going to interrupt a basketball game with 25 brothers, you better have more than a track, my friend. Come on, or you better know how to ball. <laughs> so I go up on the court. They all turned around and looked at me. I go, I got Caterade. Talk quick, you know what I'm saying? Can I get a witness? I got Caterade. Y'all was passing out ice cold Gatorades. This big old brother comes up to me. Puts his arm around me. He said, come here real quick. I thought, oh, Jesus. He hands me a wad of cash. Hundreds. Puts it in my hand. Like, here. I was like, nah, I ain't taking your money. I was like, I'm here to bless you. His eyes got real big. He goes, yeah, you are taking my money. I'm like, no, I ain't. I don't do that, bro. I'm here to bless y'all. He said, look at me, <laughs> big old dude. He goes, I don't do right. He kind of gets choked up. He goes, one thing my grandma taught me is how to tithe. He said, I ain't tithed in a long time. I said, give me that money. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sucker. <laughs> my God. What you talking about? <laughs> So he's a big old dude. The next thing you know, front door in that neighborhood swings wide open. It was old Mama Brown. Mama Brown rode on my bus every Sunday. You didn't mess with Mama Brown. You hear me? She started screaming, running down that porch. Y'all get away from my pastor. Amen. They looked at me and said, you know Mama Brown? I said, sure enough. She goes to my church every week. They go, we're cool. You don't want to mess with her. Can I get a witness? Your religion is this, it's this, it's this, it's this right here. This is pure religion. To visit, not talk about it, not think about it, not wish one day I'm going to do it. No. Pure religion is you get in your car and you drive to where fatherless kids are and the widows are and you serve them. Can I get a witness? Uh, it's to visit the fatherless. Come on, somebody. Visit the fatherless. Clap your hands. And the widows. There's a bunch of young people that took up a ministry blessing widows. Amen. There's a kid who played on my son's ball team who was fatherless. Wanted to buy him a bike. Amen. We go to the store. My son was going to see to it. He got blessed. Little kid went to go buy the Huffy. My son said, you ain't getting no Huffy. Let's go over here and get you a mongoose. You go look up the price, my friend. Tell me what's more expensive, a Huffy or a mongoose. My son didn't care. Amen. So it started something in me. Started to make sure two things. Every kid that I met that's fatherless, that doesn't have a bike, is going to get a bike. And you know what? Given it shall be given. Who cares? Amen. Some of y'all need to get on up to Walmart quick. You better start buying some bikes, my friends. Go make some little kids happy. Go into these neighborhoods. Unload your trunk. Come on. Hand out these bikes. Or if I meet a kid that's fatherless that doesn't have shoes 
and I meet them all the time. This kid right here, amen, that's a cool story. You see this guy right here? He went and bought 10 bikes in one of the projects and randomly blessed 10 kids with a brand new bike. It's rocking cool. Father, this kid didn't have no shoes. That's what his shoes look like. You don't want to be wearing shoes like that. Amen. So we was in this church, and I'm almost done, and we meet this kid right here. I kept looking down at him from the platform. His shoes looked horrible. And I looked over that kid's story. He goes, oh, my God, that kid gets abused. He literally lives in poverty. He said, see that T-shirt he's wearing? He says, it's his third day straight wearing it. He got it at Youth Congress. I said, you got to be kidding. So I went up to the kid. I said, hey, as soon as I'm done preaching, sneak out of here with me and my boy. We're going somewhere. He got a big old smile. He goes, we are. I said, yeah. We get to driving towards the mall, and we go to pulling the mall. I said, what are we doing here? I said, we're going to buy you some brand new shoes before school starts. He goes, at a mall? So we're walking in. My little son, he keeps these envelopes at home because he gets allowance and, and he's got this give envelope. And every once in a while it builds up and the Holy Ghost will deal with him, whether it's to buy a kid bike or whether it's to buy a kid shoes. Amen. And we're on our way into the mall and Caleb motions to me to pull back. He said, I want to buy these shoes today, Dad. I said, well, buddy. I want to get him some really nice shoes. He said, I know. He said, I don't care. We walked in. He, my boy got some LeBrons. I looked at Caleb. I said, dude, they're like $150. He goes, take it out of my give envelope. He didn't have no $150 in his give envelope. <laughs> don't, don't be fooled, my friend. <laughs> but I said, man, you ain't got $150 in your give envelope. He goes, dad, take everything out of it. And every week, whatever my allowance is, just keep it till these things are paid off. Watch this. My son is a diehard New York Yankees fan. Because he's, he's smart. You know what I'm saying? So, so that two weeks from that thing. The Yankees were coming to town. And I get a phone call from a guy. He said, Matt, he said, I just got to looking on MLB and noticed the Yankees are coming to town. He goes, I want to bless you and your son. And he brought us, bought us front row tickets on the Yankees dugout. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. And we're sitting on the front row of the dugout, and my son didn't get one ball, my friend. He got a ball from Derek Jeter, his idol. Amen. Came running in and tossed my son a ball. My son, he's like, my God. He goes, I'm never washing my hand again. He said, I got this ball from Derek Jeter. I said, you know why you got that ball from Jeter? And you know why you're sitting on the dugout? Because you bought that boy them shoes, and God don't forget. Come on, you can't outgive the Lord. God knows how to bless you. God is my witness. God is my witness. A couple weeks pass. I walk into Starbucks. I'm standing there waiting on my tea. And literally standing right next to me is Derek Jeter. 
We're the only two in Starbucks. I look over, and I was like, We small chat for a little bit. Started talking about our growing up days in Michigan because we played ball against each other. I'm not going to act like he remembers my first name. But we did play ball against each other. And we started talking about his family. I said, Jeter. I said, I read in your book. My son's read your whole book. And I told him about flipping my son the ball. I told him about our mission strip. And I said, my, uh, I read in your book where your grandfather was, was a minister. I said, I want to ask you a question. So he's talked to me a little bit about his grandfather in New Jersey. I said, Jeter, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm about to say. I said, do you go to church? He said, not right now, I don't. I said, I'm going to tell you something. God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. He looks at me. I said, I don't know when. I don't know how. I'm going to tell you right now, I've been praying for you, and I said, the Lord has led me to you. Don't think I'm crazy. I don't want your autograph. I don't need no tickets to the game. I'm going to tell you right now, God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Amen? See, when you serve the poor and you really give to God, God will take you places you never thought you could go. God will put you in places you never thought you can go. If you take care of God's business, come on, somebody. God will take care of your business. Give the Lord praise. Not to mention. And I am closing with this. Everybody read that right there. The poor man cried. Everybody say it. The poor man cried. And the Lord heard him. Right? He shall deliver the needy when he cries, the poor also, and him that has no helper. God said when the poor and needy, watch this, seek water and there is none. He said and their tongue fails for thirst, I the Lord will hear them. Right? The blind man received their sight, the lame walked, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up. Everybody read that out loud. And the what? Poor. Come on, everybody say it out loud. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Isn't this powerful that when God started talking about anointing, the first thing he said when he said that he was anointed was the first thing was what? That I'm anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Can I get a witness? The Bible tells us in, in Psalms chapter 82, verse 3, defend the poor and the fatherless. Everybody say, and the fatherless. How many of y'all believe that it's our responsibility to try to get to as many fatherless kids as we can uh, and be a blessing to them and serve them? Uh, if you would do that, God would, I'm going to give you a prophecy. If this church uh, would minister to the fatherless in radical ways, uh, you would be blessed uh, more than any other church uh, in the entire city of Los Angeles. Uh, there's something about ministering uh, to the fatherless uh, that brings the blessing of God uh, on your life. I don't have time to tell you all the stories, but I can tell you this. Since I unlocked and really truly started to become 
focused on blessing fatherless kids, whether it's taking them shopping for clothes or shoes or bikes. I've been more blessed than in my entire life because there's a principle. When you defend the fatherless and the poor, watch this. Everybody read that right there. Blessed. Everybody say blessed. Come on, say it again. Hang with me a few more minutes. Everybody say blessed. Blessed is he that considers the poor. Blessed is he that considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of trouble. Watch this. The Lord will preserve him. He'll keep him alive. Amen. And he shall be what? Blessed on the earth. If you want to be blessed, my friends, uh, the answer is in serving the poor. Amen. He that has a bountiful eye shall be blessed. Watch this. Everybody read that out loud. For he gives of. You ain't listening. He gives of his bread. Come on, somebody. Not the Salvation Army's bread. (coughs) Not Walmart's bread. Come on. You go to Walmart and say, hey, we're going to bless. Walmart says, sure. Walmart gives bikes. You go bless the community and you give away those bikes. You know who the Lord's going to bless? Walmart. You ain't getting blessed. You just sweated. Amen. You got to give of your bread. Come on, somebody. You got to give of your bread. And when you give of your bread to the poor, you'll be blessed, right? He that gives, read that. He that gives unto the poor shall not lack. But he that hides his eyes shall have many a curse. He has dispersed, he has given to the poor. And his righteousness endures forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. How many of y'all want honor in this city? Come on, how many of y'all want to be exalted? There ain't nothing wrong with that. God wants to parade his church. Come on, God wants to magnify his church. Everybody read that right there. He that has pity upon the poor lends to the Lord, watch this, and that, shoes, clothes, food, sleeping bags, cars, that which he hath given, I'll pay it again. Sounds like a good deal to me, don't it, y'all? Come on, think about it. You have pity under the poor, you literally. Come on, I'm literally lending to the Lord, uh, and God said, that which you gave, I'll give it back to you again. Woo! And I close with this. I really am closing. Remember earlier tonight when I said this message was for you? It is. You'll never be able to escape after tonight. Listen, you'll never be able to escape. Because until Christianity, when I say Christianity, I'm talking about you, you, you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. Right there. How old are you? You. 13 years old, baby. Hear me? It's for you. Everybody read this right here. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory with all his holy angels and sit on the throne. Watch this. And before him. 
nations, right? And he shall separate them. God separates everybody. He literally sets the sheep on the right. God says, over here on the right, he takes all the sheep. Over here on the left, he sets the goats. The king shall say to them on the right hand, ready? Those on the right, the king says, come, you're blessed. Friends, I've done a study on the blessing of God. It's talked about in the Bible 643 times. Whatever you do, you don't want to live outside of God's blessing. Can I get a witness? God said to those on the right, you're blessed. Right? You inherit the kingdom prepared from the foundation of the world. Then he said, it's probably familiar to some of you. I was hungry. You gave me. You. You. Not the church. You, my friend, I was hungry. You gave me meat. Right? I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took, who's he talking to? To those that are blessed. To those on the right. He's saying, you, you know why you're blessed? Because I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was naked, you clothed me. I was a stranger and you took me in, right? He said, I was sick and you what? Come on, my friends. We got to get back to visitation. We got to get to hospitals. Come on, we got to get to neighborhoods. Uh, we got to get to fatherless kids. Uh, we got to get to widows. Uh, we've got to visit Visit the sick, he said, and I was in prison, and you came to me. So here's your challenge tonight. One, hungry. Two, thirsty. Three, stranger. Four, naked. Five, sick. Six, prison. You on that list had better get to checking a few of them off. For your Christianity. Amen. He said. Then shall the righteous answer. When do we see you? Thirsty. Give you drink. Naked. Take you. And when do we see you in prison? Come unto you. Watch this. King shall say. Inasmuch as you have done. You know why you're blessed? You did it. Come on somebody. He said. As much as you have done. Done it to the least of these. To me, right? Then he shall say to them over here, watch, depart from me. So these people that did it, they did one of the six, right? That's simple. He said, you're blessed. You inherit the kingdom. Those over here looks at him and says, depart from me. What did he say? You're cursed. Y'all still with me? You're cursed. He said, you're cursed into everlasting fire. Prepare for the devil and his angels. He said, I was hungry. You, you, you didn't give me food. You didn't give me drink. He said, I was a stranger. You took me not in. You didn't, right? 
He said, I was, I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me not. Then shall he answer, they, they say, Lord, when do we, same story. When do we see you hungry, thirsty, sick, naked, all this. Then he shall answer and say, I, I can't believe this. I really can't believe how simple this is. He said, you did it not. You did it. You did it not. You did it. You did it not. That's simple. Come on, somebody. Why don't you get some water? Why don't you get some clothes? Uh, why don't you get some food? Uh, come on, somebody. Why don't you get your car and drive? Uh, come on. Why don't you get to visiting? Uh, and why don't you do it? Let's all stand. He said, Inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. You ready for this? Here's what will settle it all. If every individual writes those six things down tonight, put it in your iPhone, write it on a paper. Hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, stranger, prison. Circle what you do. Check what you do. Not, not what Pastor Brown does. Not what Amato does. What you do. It's that simple. Amen? So, a couple, uh, we were in Indiana, and they told me there's a man dying of cancer. What did Jesus say? I was sick. You visited me. So we simply go to the hospital. Go pray for him. Can we bring him food? Can we bring him anything? I would have been willing to buy the dude a TV. Guy's dying of cancer. So we're just going to find a way we can bless this guy. Walk in to his house. Amen. And there he is. His name's Larry. Now, little I know that when we went to go visit him, he didn't have the Holy Ghost. So while we're loving on him and blessing him, I said, Larry, I want to pray with you. We're going to pray God heals you. And after we got done praying healing, I asked him to repent of his sins. I looked at him. I said, Larry, God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Have that video ready, Brother Mike. And right there laying in his bed, God fills him with the Holy Ghost. Papa Rick comes over to me and said, Matt, we need to baptize him. So I looked at their caretaker who was with them. Who the reason why they got a Christmas tree in August, because they're servants, she goes to the church. He doesn't. That's her husband. And they're taking care of Larry because he had no family, no friends. When they found him, he was crawling through his house, literally had no helper. They took him in, brought him into their home, and he said, I know I'm dying. And he said, My, I just want to celebrate Christmas one more time. So they decked their house Christmas Eve and celebrated Christmas for Larry. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. We filled the bathtub. You haven't lived until you got to baptize someone in a bathtub. We carried that man into that bathtub, gently laid him in there, and baptized him in Jesus' name. And he got the and he already received the Holy Ghost. But when that happened, I thought, 
I'm going to pray for old George over here. So I went over to George. I said, dude, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? He said, nah. I said, you're going to get it right now. Lift your hands. He lifted his hands. God filled him with the Holy Ghost just like that in the living room. <laughs> Friends. Less than three days later, Larry died. I was in Tampa, Florida. One of their relatives called me. They said, we're so thankful. I can't believe three days before eternity, he was baptized and received the Holy Ghost. You never know, my friends. I'm going to close. I'm going to show you a video. When this video is done praying, the musicians are going to come. In fact, musicians, if you'd get ready. I want us to come to the altar. I know I preached long. I know I did. Not too bad, huh? Listen, I want everyone on this altar, because you know why? This was for you. Every one of you needs a check on that Matthew 25. Every one of y'all need a check on your good works. Amen? You with me? You ready? One minute. While they're getting that ready, let's just lift our hands for a minute. Let's do Come on, the Holy Ghost is speaking so strong. Come on, lift your hands. The Holy Ghost is speaking so strong right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, lift your hands and let God speak to you right now. I'm going to have you watch this one video, then we're going to pray. I'm going to show you what God's doing. I want you to just hear this testimony because this will remind you what it's really about, okay? You ready? Tell us what happened. Tell us what happened, girl. <laughs> she invited me to come, and I kept having this feeling like there was something God wanted me to do, or there was something that was going to happen, something big, and she even told me something big was going to happen, and I was praying, and then she just touched me, and I just fell, and it's, oh my gosh, like, I, I, uh, I didn't feel now, you're about to be baptized, Awesome. What made you decide you want to do it? Wow, man. That's incredible, girl. Say that again. can't ever get enough of God. It's real. How old are you? I'm almost 18. You're hearing it from a 17-year-old. She wants more of God and you can't get enough. God has changed my life in so many ways. Tell us about it. My mom committed suicide when I was 14. I'm in foster care. I grew up as an atheist. I became a Christian when I met my boyfriend. And I wasn't taking it seriously at all. I went to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and this girl a lot in so many different ways. She was in the same abusive situations I was. Um, but coming here today has changed my life forever. That's incredible. You've obviously been through a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. You've not committed suicide when you were 14. You've been in foster homes. You've been through abuse. What a beautiful story. I'm so proud of you. How does it feel? It feels great to know that somebody out there, one person out there, one amazing being, 
my friends, this is what it's about. And that is why I do what I do. That one story right there of that young lady. Her mom committed suicide at the age of 14. A lot of pain in her life, my friends. A lot of pain. A lot of hurt. Let's all lift She's our hands. She's found the right place. She's found Jesus. Come on, let's lift our hands right now. Thank you, Jesus. One by one, I want you to make your way to the front. As a Christian, as a Christian, I want to make your way to the front right now. Come on. One by one, come down here in Jesus' name. I want you to throw your hands in the air, and I want you to begin to talk to God. Because God is going to speak to you right now. God is going to show you what your spot in Matthew 25 is. Come on, maybe it's... Maybe it's to give out clothing to those that need clothes. Maybe it's to feed people in poverty. Maybe it's the homeless. Maybe it's fatherless kids. But God is going to show you. Come on, somebody. Maybe it's single mothers. Come on, in Jesus' name. Maybe God's got a juvenile center for you to start visiting. Maybe God's got prisons for you to attend and go visit and preach at. I don't know. But I know God's fixing to show you. Come on, in Jesus' name, hallelujah. Come on, talk to the Lord right now. Open your soul to God. Push past your flesh right now. Come on, pray until the Lord speaks to you. Pray until God speaks to your soul. Come on, grown men, go ahead and weep. Come on, grown men, go ahead and weep because you're about to be called. Come on, mothers. Come on, teenagers. Look at these teenagers weeping. That's good. You're going to a cause. You're receiving a calling right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, you'll never be the same. God's taking you to another level. There's no place I'd rather be 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 So set a fire Let's go. 
starting to break open in the Holy Ghost right now. Go ahead and pray through it right now. God's fixing to show you. God's fixing to speak to you. Hallelujah. Come on, God's fixing to open up the windows of heaven on your life. God's going to show you. In Jesus' name, get after it. Go after it. Go after it hard, God. Show me. Come on, pour it out right now. Let that, let those tears flow. Let those tears flow. Let God renew your vision. Let God renew your passion. Let God renew your burden. God's fixing to call you. God's fixing to call you. Come on, Lord, show me where I'm at, Matthew 25. Show me. Show me where I'm at, Matthew 25. God, hallelujah. Show me, Jesus.
music. Pour your soul out. Pour your soul out right now. This is where it happens right here. Get at his feet. Get at the feet of the master right now. Listen to what his voice is saying. Come on, let us hear what the spirit is saying to the church. Let us hear what God is speaking right now. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, God's showing you. Hallelujah. This is not to inflict guilt. This is to bring change. God doesn't want you to feel guilty. God wants you to change. Come on, let the Lord speak to you right now. Hallelujah. Show me, God. Speak to me. Wake me up. Wake us up, Father. Wake us up and get us back to the Gospels, back to Christianity.
just for two more minutes. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost. God's still doing a work. God is still doing a work in the spirit. Some of you are being healed right now. Some of you are being healed from your pain and your scars. Some of you are being refreshed. Some of you are literally being called by God. Some of you are hearing from heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost just for another minute. Pray in the Spirit. In Jesus' name, pray in the Spirit. time let's all lift our hands let's lift your hands to the Lord come on lift your hands I want us to quietly stand in his presence right now come on right now these are deep moments in the Holy Ghost That's it, just stand in his presence for a minute. Wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. God, oh God, thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus, praise God, thank you Jesus. How many feel like you heard from the Lord tonight for you? Come on, how many of y'all really feel like God spoke to you tonight? Not to make you feel guilty. None of this is about guilt. Amen? It's all about love. Love God, love people. What you're feeling is conviction, not guilt, not condemnation. Amen? So what if you've never done it? So what if maybe you just are like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the ones that didn't do it. You have an opportunity to start right now. Amen. You have an opportunity to turn it around and get back to what Christianity is all about. Amen. How many received the call? Thank you, Jesus. We're getting ready to take a break in a minute. You may be seated just for a minute. I'm going to let Papa Rick come up here real quick. Just have a seat, my friends. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all are excited about tomorrow? Come on, how many of y'all are ready? Going to see people get the Holy Ghost in the streets, baptize people, serve people, minister to people.
Praise the Lord, everyone. Matt asked me to give my testimony tonight. The age of 11, 1961, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in Jesus' name. I went to church. I was about 17. Uh, some things happened at church. I quit going to church. For the next 23 years, I didn't serve God. Oh, I'd go to church every once in a while. And there was always, I always felt God tugging at my heart. The age of 22, Good Friday, I was priming a tree in my parents' front yard about 80 foot tall. I was about 35 foot up in the tree trimming. Cut the branch off. And as I started to get down, I slipped and fell 35 feet. Hit the ground, hit a two by 12 that my stepdad had built a border around the tree to make a flower bed out of. Crushed three vertebrae in my back, broke my tailbone, pelvic bone, both arms. They rushed me to the hospital. I was so bullheaded, I had them rush me back home after they got through doing all their exams. Eight o'clock the next morning, the ambulance was back at my house, and they took me back to the hospital. The doctor said uh, there was no way I could be home. So they come in that afternoon, proceeded to tell me that I needed surgery on my back. I had three crushed vertebrae. If they didn't heal, uh, they informed me that within the next 20 years, I would be dead from all the pain medication I took. Now, mind you, I'm backslid. I drink, I smoke. Yes, I curse God. Told dirty jokes, gambled. I told them I didn't like their opinion, and so they sent another doctor in who basically told me the same thing. Without surgery, you will not live past the age of probably 42 to 45. They said, we might give you to 45, but you will be dead. They wheeled me back in my room, and as I laid in that bed, God started talking to me. You say, God don't talk to backsliders. Yes, he does. He said, I don't want you to get that operation. I'm going to heal you. I said, no, you're not, God. No, you're not. I said, God, I don't serve you. I don't deserve you. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm going to heal you. Within four months, I was back at work. No light duty, no nothing. The doctors couldn't believe it. I didn't get right back in church. I still stayed backslid for 18 more years. But the night I got back in church in December of 1990, when I walked up to the altar and gave my heart back to God that night, I determined in my mind right there, I was not going to backslide again. 
and I was going to do anything for God he asked me to do. That's scary. When you tell God you'll do anything, watch what you say. I'm serious. Now, that is laughing. That is a laughing matter, too. But watch what you say. For years, really nothing happened. And I just, you know, I said, well, I told God, you know. Well, in 2006, my pastor went to the Because of the Times, and he come back with a video of Brother Matt Maddox preaching addicted to soul winning. And he played it on, a, on the following Sunday night for us. And while I'm sitting there in the church service thinking, I've been in church since 1990. I've given the offerings. I've given the missions. I've missed, I've missed very little church unless I had to work. I was in church thinking, I'm going to heaven, and I'm a good boy. God starts talking to me. And here's what he said. He said, so you think you're going to heaven, don't you? What's your reply, brother? Well, yeah, I'm going to heaven, Lord. I've given the offerings. I've come to church. I'm a good guy. I go to the uh, nursing home and help out at the nursing home. Now, I'm not going to tell God I'm going to hell. And God just flat tells me, guess what? He said, you got the Acts 2.38 down, and you got the John 3.5 and 6 down. But he said, you know what? You're like so many other religious people. You got part of the Bible down. There's more to the Bible than Acts 2.38. There's more to the Bible than John 3, 5, and 6. I said, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to start serving. I want you to start giving. Your time. He said, you give all kinds of money. That time I had a good job. I worked for General Motors. My wife worked. Made about $100,000 a year. Well, most of us can live pretty good on 100000 and I did. Me and my wife had a big, fancy $50,000 van, and I had a custom pickup truck, and we had a nice home. And, uh, yeah, I was happy. 35 years at General Motors, getting ready to retire. Didn't have any money in the bank, but, hey, got a nice retirement out of them. Well, just about two weeks after we seen that video, my father-in-law got sick in California. I had about six, I did, I had a little money in the bank. I had about $16,500 in the bank. My wife left the next day for California and spent the next five months in California. Uh, went through about $15,000 helping her mom and, and family members and stuff like that. It, it didn't bother me. I didn't care. But my wife come home. And she hands me this notice about boot camp in Tampa, Florida. And she says, God told me we're supposed to go. 
said, we ain't going. I said, baby, we just went through $15,000. We got 1500 bucks left in the bank. I said, I'm not going. She said, oh, okay, okay. She said, I, I told God that's what you'd say. I said, well, you know, you and God's on a pretty good page because you did good. So anyway, I laid my head down on the pillow that night. And I'm thinking I'm going to go to sleep, but God had different plans. And he starts talking to me. He said, uh, you know, it was very nice of all the money you spent helping the family during the death of your father-in-law and helping the different ones and all that. He said, uh, but you ain't willing to spend $1,500 on me? And I thought, oh. See, at that time, boot camp was $900 to go to Tampa, Florida. Now, that was only to go to the boot camp. That wasn't the ticket to fly there. That wasn't the food they didn't provide it, that they didn't provide. So I figured the trip was going to cost about $1,800, $2,000, so I wasn't going. So I woke up the next morning, got to work, called my wife, and I said, if you can get tickets for under $500, I said, we'll have enough money to pay for the registration for boot camp, pay for airplane tickets, and I'll give us $200 to eat on for the three, four days we're there. I said, so if you can get tickets for under $500, I knew she couldn't do it. I'd already checked. I said, we'll go. She calls me back 45 minutes later, says, I got two tickets round trip to Tampa, Florida for 450 bucks. I said, are we walking? <laughs> she says, no, on an airplane. Now, I had just checked them before she come home. And they were running six to $700 a ticket. So we went to the boot camp, which, by the way, forever changed my life. Matt comes walking out that night, and there's 950 of us in this room. And he says, tomorrow night, we're going to go out into the parks, and you're going to pray for people. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm going to go pray for people. He said, no, seriously, I'm going to, I'm going to train you how to tomorrow. So I looked at my wife and I said, this guy's crazy. Why did we come here? Seriously, I did. I'd never done anything that crazy or that radical. Yeah, I'm 55 years old. That's for a young guy. That's not for me. Huh? We get so old after, so, after such an age in church, it's our time to rest. We go into retirement. Let the young people do all that. So we went to the classes the next day, and Matt and his group did an excellent job teaching us about stuff. And we went on into the park that night. Now, this is a park filled with nothing but teenagers. There are no people my age. So the first girl we walked up to, we failed. I said, I told my wife, I said, see, I told you we can't do this. My wife says, okay, let's try it one more time. I said, okay. So we walked up to this other girl. We struck out. That's two strikes. Now, to me, three strikes and you're out. Isn't that the way baseball goes? 
So my wife says, all right, let's give it one more chance. I said, no, you give it one more chance. I said, I'm not giving it no more. And the Lord said, one more. I said, okay. So this gentleman comes walking up, and he's got a holding this girl's hand. And I looked at him and said, hey, how you doing tonight? Good, good, good. I said, hey, you ever heard about Jesus? And he just kind of hung his head. And the Holy Ghost said he's backslid. I said, you've heard about God, haven't you? He said, yeah. I said, you want God. That's why you're here tonight. I said, you ain't here by accident. Well, praise God, he prayed back through. Now, that gave me a little bit of confidence. You know, after two, two strikeouts, that gave me a little bit of confidence. So, anyway, we prayed some other people through that night, prayed some other people through at the different block parties, and that really... Got my faith up. And uh, so, uh, we went home, started to outreach. And in 2008, my wife felt we should go work with Matt. And I'm going, no, no, I shouldn't quit my job. No. No, I shouldn't give up $100,000 a year. Well, anyway, at the end of that year, the last block party was in Hollister, California, and the Lord spoke to me and told me I should. I had a lot of questions for God, just like many of you do. See, many of you have questions for, about what you're supposed to do. You know what the questions are, basically? Fear. Because I can tell you, after five years of serving with Brother Maddox and the team, God has not failed me one time. Not one time. The devil's thrown everything at me, I think even the kitchen sink. I mean, I've had problems that... Most Evians would not believe. My 35-year-old son, 15 months ago, had a major stroke. It almost killed him. Me and my wife, not only did we have to take care of his wife, who has multiple legions on the brain, we were helping pay the house payment, the truck payment, buying him food. I didn't have the money. I'm, I'm going to be truthful with you. I didn't have the money. But some way, somehow, because of what I did, the decision I made four years before that, the money was always there. Always there. I was just looking back at it this week. And I told my wife, I said, you know, all the doubting I did, I kind of felt like Peter. You know, Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water. But then what happened? The devil blew some wind up and scared him. And he took his eyes off of God and he sunk. If he would have kept his eyes on God, he would have never sunk. I've done that. Anybody here done that? I think all of us have. That every time I've told God, no, I can't do it, 
God has always told me, no, you can't, but I can, and I will as long as you serve me. I don't know anybody's problems here tonight, family, financially, or whatever. As all this old man can tell you is God will take care of you. I can reassure you of that. I can promise you that. I've given money when I didn't have it. And did I always get the money back? No. I give some money at, at a boot camp in uh, Houston, Texas. I really didn't have it. But when I come home that weekend, three of my grandsons had received the Holy Ghost. There's no money in the world could ever pay for that. No money. No money. No money. No money in the world could ever pay for that. But that was one of the blessings of God because I followed him and obeyed him. Tonight, we're going to take up an offering. I want you to give what God tells you. And I want you to give it whether you have it or not. Step out. There's been many a times I've done what God told me to do. And God takes care of me every time. Do, is it always money back? No. I just, a few months ago, had some money. I was going to go to Guatemala with our church and uh, work on an orphanage. And I thought God tell me to do something with the money to help somebody out. And I did it. And I was, after I did it, the devil just jumped me and attacked me bad. I, I mean, just beat me down about it. Said, see there, you give, you give your money away and help that family and you know, now there goes your Guatemala trip. And I got down about it. I ain't going to lie to you. I got upset. But a couple of days later, I just looked up and I said, okay, Lord, I did what I felt you told me to do. If I go to Guatemala, it's your will. And if I don't, it's your will. Five days before they left, my pastor calls me, takes me out to dinner and says, hey, Somebody paid for your trip to Guatemala. I just went to Guatemala. They gave me, the person gave me $400 spending cash. The trip was $1,900, and somebody else paid for it. Did I get down about the money I give at first? Yeah. Yeah, the devil beat me up. He does it every time. But then I turned it over to God, and God repaid me. So I'm telling you tonight, as we take up the offering, if the Lord lays a number on your heart, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. God will, God will take care of it. Ushers, can we pray? Lord Jesus, tonight, Lord, let these people step out on faith, Lord. Lord, remove all fear, all doubt over money, Lord. Lord, reassure them that you will take care of them, Lord.
You've taken care of me every time, Lord. Every time. You've always given it back to me, pressed down, good measure running over in one way or another, Lord. Bless these people tonight as they give. Bless them tenfold, Lord, for every penny they put in the offering, Lord. I'm asking a tenfold blessing on them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.